Uh, live in your own moment, I guess, is what the lesson <laughs> is there. Don't worry like, about I the can't... actual moment. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I thought if we saw him bad, it'd be in a blowout where he came in late for defense and they just or pinch running and they just kept it in. He started a game. Choked away games a lot during the season. And with where they are now, the answer is a postseason. They have to win. It's a successful season if they make the wild card. And welcome to episode number 219 of Artificial Turf Wars. Like the Blue Jays, we defy expectations. We ignore probabilities. We, yeah, anyway. I'm your host, Greg Wisniewski, and I am joined by the ebullient Joshua Housem. How you doing, Josh? <laughs> Good one. <laughs> I'm good, thank you. And I, I, I trust. You know that works, right? Yeah, I trust that you're going to be cheerful after um, between the last podcast and this podcast, the Blue Jays have have lost but one singular game, um, and did did the things that they did in Yankee Stadium in fine fashion. So we're going to go through that uh, probably a little more detail than we normally go through the uh, the week. Um, we do have the the questions of um, Hyunjin Ryu after we are recording this after the first game of the doubleheader on Saturday. So we do have the questions about is Hyunjin Ryu Dr. Jekyll or Mr. Hyde? Um, we will reflect upon the performances of late of a certain Lourdes Gurriel Jr. and Marcus Semyon. And I mean, largely Vladimir Gurriel Jr., uh, though you have a funny statistic about exactly when Vlad picks his time to uh, do productive things. Uh, there was a whole weird first game versus the Orioles uh, bench and Robbie Ray. I don't know if the game itself was that weird. Uh, we have Nate Pearson and Julian Merriweather pitching for the Blue Jays, and I'm still not sure how good of a thing that is. And then we probably should talk about exactly the ridiculousness of this wildcard race now that the Blue Jays have muscled their way right back into the middle of it. We will have your questions if you deign to ask any, uh, and then we're going to give uh, a certain Canadian Hall of Famer a gold star. Maybe we should give him a yellow star, uh, but we'll discuss that when it comes up. And then um, we need to talk about Major League Baseball and COVID protocol testing uh, because, wow, you just it never stops. But we, we shall begin with the good stuff, the juicy, juicy wins that the Blue Jays have racked up since we last talked baseball, Josh. I, did we record? Uh, there's a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's all, all day. Did we record? Um, Saturday? We recorded, I think, we record. I think it was after the first, the crazy comeback against Oakland. Oh, no, no, no. It was after the first two games of the Oakland series, the crazy comeback, and then the one where they tried to cough it up and didn't and still won 10 to 8. Right. And then I think a lot of times sort of the air comes out of the balloon after a couple of wild games and you you aren't too surprised, especially on a Sunday when you put the B roster out there because the guys are tired, you know, day game after night game, all that stuff. Um, you're not too surprised. When it's it's not what you were hoping for to finish off a a sweep, and the Blue Jays just flew in the face of all of my logic there and won that game eight to nothing. <laughs> yeah, like holy with ease, okay. no problem. <laughs> just yeah, it's like oh okay, well it's like now okay they're going into a tough series against New York and wow okay they didn't even trail at any point in the series uh, against Oakland. No, no, no. Oh. They obviously trailed against Oakland. <laughs> oh, you're, <laughs> I crazy you're, comeback. You're, you're jumping ahead. No, I was just saying, so the last Robbie Ray start on the Sunday, 8 nothing, Looking good. Uh, and then, yeah, they opened in New York. Also, 8 nothing. 
Uh, I was at uh, I was at the entire Oakland series. I, I was like, I'm not missing these games because they were so big. Because at the time, they were, Oakland was ahead of them in the standings, and it's just. I think like, that's the other so reason why I wasn't too. Well, I would have been not too surprised that they lost the last game of the Oakland series because knowing that Oakland has been competitive um, and has you know has had in fact a better record by the Blue Jays that they they were grinding them under their foot by one game in that that last game it was like oh this is this is where oakland's probably going to bring out you know going to dig deep no didn't dig deep um so this has been a deeper hole (laughs) (laughs) this has been quite the wrecking crew um the eight nothing game was that the vlad's 40th homer was in that game i believe game that was for the yankees Yankees. yeah the first one against the yankees was was vlad's 40th homer and was Hyunjin Ryu just just wrecking the Yankees? Yeah, six shutout innings, and he had a bunch of strikeouts, and he was throwing ninety four miles an hour, and he was awesome. And he only pitched six innings because he said his arm got a bit sore from throwing so many sliders. And okay, um, but it didn't matter. I mean, six yeah. shutout innings, and they just kept piling on. I think so. That game was four nothing going into the eighth. And then I think Semyon hit a grand slam. Yeah, uh, there's been there's been a lot of home runs from this team, and slowly but surely, this they can't score runs late uh, problem, as it were, has kind of come back to the you know regressed to what you would expect, which is uh, a good hitter or a good hitting team should score runs throughout the game, and it, it seems like they have had some woes. Maybe early more than we've seen, but uh, late, they've had lots of gas in the tank. Yeah, they just keep on scoring runs late in games. And that's been the biggest difference between the current version, you know, this winning streak version of the Blue Jays, and even earlier in the year when they were blowing games, but not, you know, not in their (laughs) August swoon where they weren't scoring at all. They would go up. You know, three to one on a team or four two in the fifth inning, and then get nothing else, and then the bullpen would come back and blow a lead against the Yankees. Runs in the seventh, runs in the eighth, runs in the ninth, in all of the games to just push the game slightly further out of reach to make it bullpen proof, essentially. Yeah, and I mean, not that the bullpen uh, really coughed up very much in the Yankee series. I think uh, was it Romano allowed a, a home run or a two run home run. Trying to. Uh, yeah, and Pearson gave up two home runs. Right, uh, but Pearson again. Pearson would not have been in that game had the had the game been tighter, right? Uh, he so he was counting. Yeah, he basically he and Romano were warming up side by side, um, and then the game when he came in and they were up by four. So it's like okay, well, actually no, Romano wasn't warming up yet because he'd pitched previously. Pearson was going to come in that game because they were up and they'd been up for a couple innings, and then they got the extra runs and just made it easy like the home runs is like luke voigt what what a clown i mean (laughs) he does the he's like double water bottle smash celebration pouring them down his throat it's like you just hit a home run to make it six to four with two outs in the ninth in the fourth game of a four game sweep in your yard what are you doing (laughs) uh live in your own moment i guess is what the lesson is there don't worry about the actual moment (laughs) yeah I don't have a problem 
with players celebrating. I think it's great. I love the personality, but just maybe there are times when you shouldn't do it. <laughs> just, it just, well, I, just, I think celebrations are, are contextual, right? The reason that, yeah. you know, Jose Bautista didn't bat flip every single home run he hit all year, right? Um, same deal. The, the Tonight, George Springer, we'll get there eventually, but George Springer hit a home run that put his team from, went from their last out to leading. Yeah, he's pretty pumped. There's a lot of high-fiving and let's goes and dancing around the bases because contextually, that's the most important swing of the game. Go nuts, man. But yeah, yep. there's there's a lot of times where it's like, did you did what you did didn't really have any impact there, bro. Just chill until, you know, if you get your chance, go ahead, go nuts. But this was not your chance. Um yep. the Yankees did not have a chance. This stat's been thrown around over and over again, but there was no time at which the Yankees held the lead in Yankee Stadium in a four-game set. And that is that is a wild statistic to me. Uh, it's completely crazy. And, of course, Yankee, the Yankee Stadium built in 1923. It's the only time it's ever happened. Yeah, it... It's wild. I mean, it's, the Yankees, I mean, they're ahead of the Blue Jays in the standings. They're still ahead of the Blue Jays in the standings. And they just didn't put up any fight. I mean, uh, their key guys in their in their lineup were just did nothing. Uh, <laughs> the other thing I was happy to see, of course, <laughs> is questionable quality human being Araldus Chapman is... Uh, it's not very good anymore. And I'm kind of happy about that. I'm also kind of happy that Vladimir Guerrero illustrated that by hitting a home run off of one of his paltry 96 and a half mile an hour fastball. Yeah, he's very mediocre at the moment and it's glorious. And I love that Vlad did that. I love Vlad crushing against guys who are not likable. <laughs> I love Vlad crushing against everybody, but especially against guys like that. Yeah, so that that was a uh, an add-on run with an extra like uh, ethical slash moral bonus point on top of it. <laughs> yeah, it was it was great, and every game was was like that. It was just you know that that third game in the series, or was it the one that no, that was the sweep game, right? I can't well, remember which one that was. It might have been the third I think game, it was third but. Game. Uh, I said, that game was going to age me. I said, oh, my goodness. Like, what is <laughs> yeah, that's right? Because Pearson pitched in the fight in the last one, not the third one. So I was watching that uh, on a patio with a friend of mine and just like the three run homer that Brett freaking Gardner. <laughs> it's like, why? Why is it always Brett Gardner? He's not good anymore. Why yeah. does he hurt the Blue Jays? <laughs> it's like <laughs> someone tell them he's not good anymore. You know, someone tell him he's not. OK, he knows he's not good. Anymore. Yeah, there's, you know. But the old villains didn't didn't uh, make the difference, right? We see a lot of a lot of things repeat themselves, like Aaron Judge and, and Gary Sanchez and and all that. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. I the Blue uh, again. New York obviously yes has the same record as the Blue Jays at this exact moment. They may be better than them by the end of tonight again. Um, it just doesn't seem like the Yankees have any pitching at all. Oh yeah, and Garrett Cole left with a pulled hamstring. Gosh, that's a horrible thing to hear. <laughs> like obviously, you never, you never wish injury on anybody, but you know, pull the hamstring isn't really. It's like it's not long term. It's not. It's just he's just sore. So yeah, let him stay out for a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I, I, after an injury, I can be okay with it having happened. 
Um, I would never wish an injury on anyone, but I won't, I won't turn one down if it happens to the opponent. Uh, the reason you were having trouble figuring out whether which game Vlad homered is is because he's basically homered in all of them lately. I think <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's got four home runs in September. Um, all of which are after September 6th, aren't they? I think. Yep. Yeah. So that's yeah, that's four, five days, four home runs. Um, only Marcus Semyon is keeping up. Did you want yeah. to talk about Marcus Semyon? Throw some yeah, we'll get back. We'll get back to Vlad. Let's let's start with Semyon because what he was doing was just unbelievable. Uh, he, well, the, yeah, the, we talk over and over again. Did the Blue Jays get MVP candidate Marcus Semyon, or did they get you know uh, improved over his historic numbers, Marcus Semyon? And I, I, I'm really thinking we got MVP candidate Semyon. I think we got better than MVP candidate <laughs> Semyon. <laughs> it, it's. Like, he's having the best season of his career. Now, actually, this is very similar to the Donaldson thing, which a lot of people kind of mentioned. He had a really good year that got him MVP votes in Oakland. And then he came to Toronto, well, and Dunedin and Buffalo, and the power spiked because he's no longer playing in Oakland. He has 38 home runs. 38! He's like fourth in the league or fifth in baseball. Yeah, the the Blue Jays shortstop has uh, sorry second base second baseman. <laughs> but again, the Blue Jays second baseman all time record for home runs was Aaron Hill thirty six. It's September eleventh, <laughs> and it's and it's gone. It's just it's just over. Yeah, he's 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 just stacking on his own record now. And here's the thing: is he he hit six home runs. So far this month, and it started with that that game against Oakland, the first one. This is the ultimate crunch time, and this guy is showing up. <laughs> like, yeah, there's clutch and whatever. Think, say what you will about it. I mean, the next guy we're going to talk about certainly has that, you know, in in, in his head. <laughs> but <laughs> it's just you can't ask for this kind of hot streak. And he's had some hot and cold months. Where Semyon has, but he's getting red hot at the absolute right time. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I would not describe him as streaky because the next guy we're going to talk about, I think, uh, is probably the definition of streaky. But uh, yeah, Marcus Simeon has looked human from time to time, but not in September. In September, it's looked like he's just flipped a switch and uh, absolutely is is here to kick ass and chew bubblegum and has run out of bubblegum in September. Yeah. I... I hey. I am. I would be scared of this lineup in its current, uh, you know, mentality if I were literally anybody pitching in Major League Baseball. How do you how do you navigate this team? I mean, you talk. We talked about we're going to get to Vlad Springer's back, and you mentioned the home run he hit in the first game today, which is the, if, uh, speaking of clutch. If there's a clutch gene, George Springer has it. <laughs> <laughs> But, he also uh, has a 900 OPS, which is just fine. Right. <laughs> and Bichette has started to hit a little bit better. They got Teoscar, who's hitting 300, basically, with some power. Kirk has been hitting very well lately. And then, in the seven hole, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Who, who has been, and I'll be complimentary with this, middling at best for the first four-odd months of this season. In September... 
He's hitting 389 with a 452 <laughs> on base and an 833 slugging percentage. Where does it He's come driven from? in 17 runs in 11 games. <laughs> Where? Where was he keeping it for the other four months? Four and a half months. That's the thing with Lourdes is like <clears throat> when he is on, there are – I don't want to face him at all if I'm a pitcher. I mean he's just so scary when he's raking because he doesn't – like he's not one of these guys like – I don't know. I mean even Bryce Harper, for example, like with one of the – arguably the best hitter in baseball right now. But <clears throat> other than Vlad because Vlad's the best. But <laughs> – Guriel doesn't strike out a ton. He doesn't swing and miss a ton. So when he's making good contact, he's going to make contact and it's going to be good because that's just who he is. I mean, his line now on the season, he's up to a 782 OPS, which considering where he was earlier in the season is incredible. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I I don't have a problem with having Lourdes Guriel Jr. on the team. I'm just yeah. mystified by sometimes knowing that there's a two-week stretch of him, you know, having extra base hits in 11 straight games or whatever, right? It's in there. It could come at any time, but it also could just not show up for a month. And I'm like, how does that work? Like, <laughs> he's just a strange hitter. Now, in fairness, I was actually, I was at one of the games, well, two of them with actually, with Nick, our sometimes co-host. And he was talking about this and he, and then he was saying like, he's basically Gritchuk in the sense that like he has these good months and other and terrible months. The difference is usually Ludus Gurriel has one terrible month or six weeks where he's terrible and the rest he's great. Whereas Randall Gritchuk is the other way around, <laughs> <laughs> but he is, he like, he is streaky and, but he's still mostly good. And I think he's probably going to get traded in the off season just because the, that he they they want more lineup diversity and he's very much like a lot of the other guys in the team and the most tradable of them but i hope he's not because i really like lordis uh well he's also one of those guys who is clearly having fun i mean his haircut is having fun all by itself <laughs> yeah, oh, oh yeah so <laughs> in one of the games i was at this is really nice there was um this would be a gold star, actually. It was, but we're, we're doing it now because we're talking about Lourdes. There was a, a child who came down who seemed like he might have had some developmental issues. Um, and he had some spiky hair a little bit. And Lourdes was on deck and he went up to him and he pointed his hair. And the Lourdes took his helmet off and he waved his hair at him and said, <laughs> gave him thumbs up. And it's just, it, it, it was just so great. Like, he's just, in, he's on deck, right? <laughs> yeah. But he was just making some kid's day. And I, I love seeing that kind of stuff. And I, it's one of the things about, Pretty much everybody on this team, they're so easy to root for because they seem like really likable guys. Well, yeah, I agree 100%. It's, it's, um, it's the, it's, well, we're going to talk about the Orioles in a couple minutes. It's the polar opposite of whatever that is on the Orioles. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's a fun team to one another and it seems to be a fun team in general. I mean, the, what the, the running joke, of course, was, about their loss the first in the first game to the Orioles, uh, giving up all the runs early, committing errors, looking sloppy, but very much not like this team has looked over the first, uh, you know, nine games or eight games in September. Was uh, they had all eaten fried Korean fried chicken in New York as a celebration after sweeping the Yankees, and who hasn't felt sluggish after way too many pieces <laughs> of Korean fried chicken? 
<laughs> I know I have, Josh, when I eat seven or eight pieces of <laughs> I, I've never eaten Korean fried chicken, but now I want to. Uh just to share in the experience. So yeah. Just just don't do it before a baseball game. Yeah, especially um, you know, the a must win game against the last place team in your division. Um no, there are no there are no must win game must win game. Uh yeah. There so, are, just not that one. <laughs> um yeah, so I mean, the idea that, that there was a whole, it was in a Korean website, so I had to translate it. So, of course, translation was a bit janky. But the whole discussion about uh, who does and does not appreciate the finer points of um, of uh, Korean fried chicken versus, you know, American fried chicken, uh, and the specific restaurant from which Hyunjin Ryu insists upon ordering it when he's in New York, it was it was great stuff. Uh, and I have no doubt that there's, there's a lot of camaraderie, even... Just in the idea that I don't know why you eat that weird stuff without a lot of hard feelings. So, <laughs> yeah, I think I think the team really places a unit. And I, I don't think it would be ruined by Lourdes Gurriel getting traded away. That's not what I'm saying at all. But I can understand why having him on the team makes that makes sense in that context. Yeah. And if you just think about during the All-Star game, right, it was Vlad, Bo and... Uh, Teoscar, I, I don't know if Semyon was standing there with them. They were FaceTiming with Lourdes during the All-Star game. <laughs> so there's there's clearly a family unit kind of thing that's going on. And I hope that if he goes, it doesn't upset that. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But I mean, we've also seen guys brought in at the last minute um, to, to a winning team, right? Uh, in 2015. And seem to dive right into the idea that, hey... This is just madness, and I'm I'm here for it 100%. Yeah, I mean, they were really pissed when Reyes was traded. <laughs> they probably didn't know, or hopefully they didn't know what he would turn out to be. Um, they got over it <laughs> in 2015. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, we're talking about <laughs> trades, but right now, Lourdes Gorel is awesome, and I'm really enjoying it. All right, one last guy to be awesome is Vlad Guerrero Jr., except uh, the weirdness of when he selectively displays his awesomeness. I'm sure this is not intentional. James G, who is James and T.O. on Twitter with some underscores thrown in there, um, is an amazing, amazing fan and uh, often comes up with this stuff that we then use for content on the podcast. What what are we stealing from him today? <laughs> it's our thing. Uh, <laughs> it, so this is his tweet from uh, the 10th. So last night, we're recording this on the 11th. Vladdy, with multiple base runners on before that game, in April and July, he hit 400 with a 500 on base and a 756 slugging. In August and September, 125 with a 176 on base and a 312 slugging. And if I'm not mistaken, the home run in the first game of the doubleheader was also a... Um... It was a solo shot. A solo shot, yeah. Or, or it might have been a two-run shot. I can't remember. But it was not two guys on. Yeah. And it's it's hard to explain. So I decided I, I thought I would look into the numbers and see if, like if he's being pitched differently now than he was earlier in the season when people might have not been completely buying into Vlad being the best hitter on the planet. The answer, no, he's not. <laughs> he uh, he's getting actually seeing a few more fastballs, but it's within the margin of error, considering it's, you know, we're talking about. In September and August, 64 total pitches he's seen mm. in those, that, that's in not those situations. Of, not a lot of pitches. No, it's, it's, it's not a big sample size. Um, I don't know. 
really what to say is other than like weird luck because it's not even like he's being more aggressive overly because he was swinging, he was averaging 3.4 pitches per plate appearance in when he was hot and 3.5 when he's not. So it's not like he's being overly aggressive or overly patient. He's doing exactly the same thing. He's just not producing. It's very fluky. I think it. we're going to have to chalk that one up to random chance because we are dealing with, you know, not not a bunch of months in a row of the same thing. If if it was this way for six months, like for a full season, I might be like, hmm, maybe he's got a, a different mentality up there that we can't see. But I, I think I think at this point, like you said, 64 pitches, that could just be luck. Yeah. Um, I, I, it's just the sample is so small and there's no tangible change. So it's luck. Like there's no, it's bad luck. Yeah. But if that luck turns around with the way everything else is going, ooh, that would be quite nice. The other weird one that I read, and I, these are just things that pop up on Twitter, and I go, huh. Um, someone came up with with the fact that the Blue Jays hit three home runs. I think it was the last Yankees game, including the Bo Bichette leadoff home run. So that would be, I think it is the last game against the Yankees. Yeah, uh, Bichette, Grichuk, and Vlad. Yeah, the shortest plate appearance for those three home runs was the nine pitches that Bo Bichette took to hit his. <laughs> what <laughs> yeah it was like a nine pitch a 13 pitch and an 11 pitch at bat or something like that to hit those three homers wow that's unreal that is some hard work man that is some seriously hard work unbelievable uh, i yeah. mean george springer don't mess around though we're gonna we're, let's talk orioles uh <laughs> <laughs> let's do it let's get there <laughs> so we gotta open with the loss uh, I, first, I have to preface this by saying that the Orioles are bad in so many ways. I don't know where to start. Uh, but they are no longer managed by Buck Showalter, as much fun as Buck was. They are managed by Brandon Hyde, which is, I believe this is his, is this his second year or first year? I think it's his second. Year. Second. It's year, hard to tell with the Orioles because it, they just don't matter. No, 100 losses is 100 losses or 100 plus losses. Um, it's just, you don't pay attention to who their managers are and... <laughs> Uh, he's actually been managing since 2019. It's his third oh, wow. season. So there you go. So something was going on. Robbie Ray gave up three runs in the first inning and then a leadoff triple in the second. So, uh, things were not going great for Robbie Ray, but it just so happened that the microphone was pointed directly at the Orioles dugout such that we got uh, an unusual amount of insight into the conversation between Robbie Ray and, of all people, the manager of the Orioles, Brandon Hyde. Does this make sense on any level that Brandon Hyde, it sounded like Brandon was telling someone on the bench to shut up and then taking exception to Robbie Ray waiting till they stopped chirping him uh, before he got back on the mound? I didn't see this one, so I'm just sort of getting this all secondhand. It's really weird, though. Yeah, it, it the the first thing on the mic was uh it sounded like JD be quiet or JD sit down or something and then Hyde turns to Robbie Ray who is staring at him and having stepped off the rubber and he's like uh we're not you get back on the mound don't worry about us. 
it, it was so strange. I mean, laced with profanity, of course, um, going back and forth. So then Ray strikes out the batter who he's facing. And he goes and he faces him down and Hyde is still chirping at him. Um, saying, we ain't saying nothing over here. You just take care of your blah, blah, blah. I'm, I'm like, what? why? Why is Robbie Ray having to deal with Brandon Hyde? Like, if I'm the umpire, I'm like, you want to bring something up, uh, you can bring it to me and I can throw you out of the game. <laughs> or you can bring it up you know, between innings, but like, you can't, you can't talk to the pitcher on the mound. That doesn't, that's like horribly unsportsmanlike. Yeah. It's really weird that that happened. I, I don't really understand what, what they were trying to accomplish. You're not supposed to yell at the opposing team just in general, let alone the guy on the mound. It's, I don't, I, it's, he's an Oriole. Like, <laughs> Get Trey Mancini and Cedric Mullins out of Baltimore before they get completely ruined because, God, what a trash organization. And then later on in that game, there was a, a purposeful check by uh, Abad, the pitcher, on Lourdes Gurriel Jr. coming down the third baseline. What was that about? <laughs> I, I don't know what the hell that was. We got a question <laughs> about that, so we'll get back to that one, but... Yeah, that's just leave it at that for now because we we have a question and I I don't I don't want to blow that but yeah okay <laughs> so back to the Brandon Hyde thing uh, to to any general chirping etc cetera, etc cetera. if you have one of the Cy Young candidates uh in in your league on the mound and you've gotten to him for three runs and have a runner on third with nobody out like. That is the last time I would say anything to a guy at all because he's like not in a good spot. Don't change his focus. <laughs> it just seems strategically like a horrible idea. And lo and behold, did Robbie Ray give up any more runs after that whole chirping incident with a runner on third and nobody out? No. <laughs> just say it. Uh yeah. So that was that was game one. Um, unfortunately, Julian Merriweather, who is back, which we are all happy about, yes, yes, uh, did not did not fare very well being brought into a tie game for his first game back since uh, going on the injured list back in May. Yeah, it was April, actually. I think. Oh, April. Nevertheless, I uh, gave a three a three run homer shortly after arriving. Um, I guess we we've gotten the rough bit out of the way. Is that your your reasoning? <laughs> God, I hope so. <laughs> uh, no, I'm not worried about Julian Merriweather. He's he's really good. I mean, his stuff is really good. It wasn't as good yesterday. And I saw, I think it was Andrew Stoughton's like, oh well, he we last time we saw him was before the sticky stuff cracked down. I don't care about his spin rate in one outing. It doesn't really mean anything. Uh, I also don't care that much about his spin rate because he throws really hard and he has a really good changeup and his slider just has to be fine. He just happened to throw a fastball that went right into Anthony Blue Jay killer Santander's bat. I don't and know why the Blue Jays turn Anthony Santander just like they do uh, Brett Gardner, these mediocre outfielders. <laughs> they turn them into superstars, but he hits so well against Toronto. <laughs> um, he did fail to field a bunt, uh, so he kind of kind of helped get himself into trouble. Yeah, all the runs were unearned because of his own error. But it's really they're earned. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I mean, you screwed er up. Er 
earned runs will still lose you. Unearned runs will still lose you a game. So I'm, I'm, yep. the, the, the earned unearned is a funny distinction to make. I, it's been f- funny for a while. Uh, Nate Pearson, uh, did give up those two home runs in New York as he was, you know, starting to figure things out. Uh, on the bounce back here in the first game of the doubleheader, uh, Nate Pearson looked great, two scoreless, and he picked up the win. So yeah. is, is is that more likely what we're going to see from Nate Pearson as he settles in? I certainly hope so. I think so. I mean, the stuff is – I mean, I said rare weather stuff is good. Pearson's stuff is even better, <clears throat> uh, arguably. But it's – I mean, it's elite, an elite fastball with a good slider. He's not even thrown his curveball yet, which is also a really good pitch. I'm not – I, I I would trust Nate Pearson to pitch in in games and points in games that matter. Um, I'm watching Thomas Hatch pitch right now, and I would not trust him in the same <laughs> spots. <laughs> but no, Pearson Aww. especially. I to me, he's a late inning leverage reliever and a guy that you can really come out and have power coming out of the bullpen to neutralize some threats. And I think Merriweather will be the same thing. Uh, so. Recency bias, we're going to kick in, and we will discuss the last game that the Blue Jays played, the seven-inning first game of a back-to-back doubleheader, um, which they won, much like they won in in, uh, awesome fashion against the Athletics, 11-10, after trailing by a significant amount. Multiple (laughs) times. Multiple times. And they get coming back a little bit, and then Ryu would give up more. And then they'd come back, and Ryu would give up more. Okay. I'm not the fire Montoyo guy. I'm not, but he managed this game horribly. They still won. Thank so their incredible offense, but letting Hyunju Jin Ryu pitch to four batters or five batters in the third inning was negligence. I can't believe he did that. <laughs> he okay, clearly though. did not have it. Uh, Robbie in, Ray came out, or sorry, a Ross Stripling came out and made it look like uh, it was doomed from the start. Well, Ross, but Stripling got out of the inning, the third inning, and then he gave up his own runs in the fourth. But, the reason I'm saying that, so Ryu, in that start against New York, which we said he was so great, he was touching 94 again, 93, 94. In this outing, he reached 91.5, and that was his max. He didn't top 91 otherwise. And when Ryu is not doing that, and he's not, and he's getting hit around, you got to get him out of there because it's not, and he's not, and he was walking people. That's bad Ryu. Do not let him bury you. And they did. And then, but the Blue Jays had some ladders in that tunnel or a hole or something. Because, <laughs> oh my God, can they hit? Yeah, I mean it. It absolutely helps that the Orioles are a bad team um, to make this possible. But it's still improbable after being down seven three and ten five in a seven inning game. 10-5 in a seven-inning game is a rough spot to be in in the fifth, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> and then this was, this was you talked about Pearson, right? This is how good he, he was because he kept that still at a five-run deficit. And then the offense just exploded and then t- got topped off with the Springer home run that you alluded to earlier. He, by the way, did not use his nine-pitch allotment to wear down the pitcher. He hit it on an 0-1 pitch. <laughs> George Springer, don't wait around. He's all no. about the heroics. He doesn't need you to waste time. No, just get up there, get it out, which is why he had so many leadoff home runs uh, to start games. Uh, is, is So George Springer is officially day-to-day. Is he playing the nightcap? Yeah. they sit? Yeah. Okay. So he's, he's no longer day-to-day. He's back oh. as the DH only, though. Right. 
um, which has made for some, again, the Blues have been generally successful, but made for some weird things going on in the outfield still. Well, it's given leading to a lot more run for Gerard Dyson, that's for sure. I didn't even think we'd see Gerard Dyson bat this season when I heard he was on the expanded roster. He was on the he, they added him before the expanded rosters, but uh, uh yeah, I, well, <laughs> I thought if we saw him bat, it'd be in a blowout where he came in late for defense and they just or pinch running and they just kept him in, kept him in. He started a game <laughs> against the Orioles, yeah, and he went over two with two strikeouts, which was well, it's. I, I don't expect that. Usually he's not really a strikeout guy, but he's been useful. He had that really nice catch to win the game against New York, the third one. He's a very good guy to have on the roster because he can run and he can play defense when you have Springer limited to DHing duties. Yeah. Yeah. This is the flexibility you need, and hopefully it lets Springer get healed up. Yeah. and But as long as Springer's in the lineup, it's great. And they didn't really miss him when he wasn't because they could just DH Kirk. Who's amazing uh, for a little guy. A little big guy. A little big guy. All right. Let us review before we go to the questions. Uh, the, the wild card standings at this exact instant. I'm going to hit refresh. I don't think it's going to make any difference. I don't think any game has ended since I last looked at the wild card standings. No, they haven't. They are incredibly ridiculous is the first thing I'm going to say. Boston is 80 and 63 with a 559 winning percentage. The Yankees are 78 and 63 one game back. Uh, sorry. Uh, yeah. Uh, and the J Jays are also 78 and 63. Tied. One game behind them is Seattle, who does not worry about their run differential. Apparently they use their fun differential because the team is 52 runs in the negative, uh, but only one game back. Oakland is a game and a half back at 77 and 65. So that one game is in the loss column. So that is five teams looking for a home in two slots. Just to make it even weirder, the Blue Jays are in fourth place in their division and tied for a wild card spot. The AL East sucks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, then, but then again, Seattle, I guess, would be in third place in their division. But, uh, well, that's more normal. But, but yeah, I mean, well, so right now, Boston wait a minute. is... Uh, Who, who's in second in their division? No, Oakland. Seattle's in second. Oh, sorry. Well, they're tied. I guess Oakland's tied for in second. third. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, Oakland. Then whichever one is in the last in the that's in there. Yep. <laughs> um. But as we were recording this, Boston was winning seven to two against the White Sox. It is now seven to seven in the fifth. <laughs> it took the White Sox one inning to tie that. The Yankees were up five to nothing. It is now five to four in the fourth. So. Potentially, by the time you listen to this, that those stats that Greg just said might be completely outdated. The Jays might be ahead of the Yankees, or they might be behind them. Who knows? <laughs> uh, regardless of when you, uh, you know, if you listen to this anytime soon, there will still be five teams desperately looking for two slots with like twenty days left to go. Here, <laughs> that's that's a lot of movement that could happen in this tiny two and a half game. Uh, difference. Yep. Insane. So, yeah, I hope the Jays uh, look like they want it as badly as their 9-1 and one in the last 10 games record indicates. Uh, we're going to find out what you want uh, to know from us in just a couple of minutes, and we will be right back after this very short break. Yeah, running down a dream 
And we are back and, and refreshed, I'm sure, 100% because we've done a quick run around the block. Okay, that, that's that's probably I, I don't I don't really run, as it were, unless the dog makes me. But we are back with your questions, which I think is the most important part. Time now to hear from our listeners. That just seems silly. Here are the rules. First, I ask a question, then you ask a question. Now, how does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please? We put the call out late. And like uh, like the Blue Jays, you answered in the clutch. Uh, we have from Kevin at Kevin Chase for the following question. What could possibly be more enjoyable than a four game sweep of the Yankees in September? A four game sweep of the NL champion in October. Ah, uh, you took my answer. <laughs> <laughs> too easy. Yep. Um, yeah, I but mean, that was awesome. Shall I compare it to a summer's day? <laughs> so what we shall compare this to is I hate comping things to 2015, but in terms of streaks and getting the team back into the race, it's very reminiscent of the one that Jays ran in uh, August of 2015 when they swept Minnesota and then swept the Yankees to move them ahead of the Yankees for the division. Now, in this case, it did move them not ahead of the Yankees, but they've made up, was it nine games on the Yankees in the last 12 days? That That's a lot of games. It requires a certain special combination of not making any mistakes and having the team that you are chasing being objectively horrible. Yeah. <laughs> making a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's it's magic. I, I don't dispute it, but it's magic on both sides. Uh, good and bad juju. Uh, L, abolish the filibuster, you cowards, at Ellie Ellie Hart. Uh, this is one of my favorite formats to questions ever. ever. Um, so thank you for using the format. What is the most egregious on-field display of bad sportsmanship you've seen, and why is it a bad running across the infield to body check Guriel? Yeah. <laughs> So now we can talk about it. What the hell was he doing? Yeah. I I don't I don't understand at all. Like uh that this was the Blue Jays trying to get back in the game. What did Gurriel's run tie it? Uh yes, oh. I believe it did. But I'm not even sure why contacting the base runner period would be something you would think this is that would be overlooked by the umpire this is like ty cobb grabbing the guy by his his belt loop bs yeah i it looks like it makes me almost wonder if it was accidental that just looked really on purpose or like he ran into my mistake and since he did he just said well i'll knock him to the ground since i've already run into him I don't because know. it doesn't make any sense for him to just run over and tackle Guriel. Like, there's no logic behind it. And the only angle I have seen is the angle from behind third base looking kind of, not even towards home plate, looking at at almost the dugout. So just a bad appears out of nowhere. And then Guriel, because Guriel's scrambling, turns around. And when, when By the time Guriel knows a bat is there, he must be like a, a step and a half away from him. Yep. Right? So I understand there's not much time for anybody to do anything there. Maybe there is more context. But at the same time, holy cow, man, just get out of the way. <laughs> okay, I'm going to answer the question now, though, of why it's uh, actually yes. not this. Most egregious on-field display of bad sportsmanship. <laughs> okay. uh, one I can think of is 
it's egregious because it's really stupid. So Manny Machado and Josh Donaldson has a little beef when Donaldson was with the A's uh, because Donaldson tagged Machado once <laughs> instead of going across the diamond. It was really bizarre. So Machado swung the bat and threw his bat at the third baseman. Yeah, he did an Edwin Encarnacion on purpose. But it wasn't Donaldson. <laughs> Someone else was playing third that day. <laughs> so not only was it ridiculous and bad, it was really stupid. And the other one that immediately pops my, not, to my mind is when Albert Bell threw the forearm shiver on Fernando Vina, who's a good 100 pounds lighter than Albert Bell, to break up a double play for the second time in the game. Would you just Google Fernando Vina, Albert Bell, and you'll see it. It's ridiculous that this kind of thing was allowed to happen in a baseball game. Um, I'm, rec I'm recalling a Matt Holiday slide in the playoffs somewhere. Um, I'm also recalling, I think it was Roger Clemens picking up a bat, a broken bat, and throwing it. You know, baseball is unfortunately littered with these, these heat of the moment. Man, that didn't make any sense looking back on it. <laughs> things. Uh, so I, unfortunately I think a bad probably doesn't even make the top 10, although it does certainly raise more questions than it answers as opposed to a lot of these other events we're talking about. Yep. Last question, Matt at Thomas Matt C. Probably late to the party with this one. What would be a successful season in your mind? Is it a wild card or bust or are you of the minds that meaningful September baseball would be a success? You go first. I... I think a successful season would have to be some kind of appearance in the playoffs, which, I mean, the wild card even is kind of that gray zone of the playoffs. I, I think it is, but some people don't. But yeah, I, I think if you talk to me back at the beginning of the season, a successful season is at the very least a wild card bird. I don't know if I said that preseason, but I, I certainly... We had this discussion, actually, because we got this question in the preseason. Yeah. My answer then is very different from my answer now. All right. So my answer then was I want them to be competitive. You know, I didn't say they had to make the postseason. I said if they win like 87 games or something like that and miss out because the division is super strong, that would still be successful in my mind. However, context has to come into play. With the way the team has choked away games a lot during the season and with where they are now, the answer is a postseason. They have to win. It's a successful season if they make the wild card. I mean the division. The the Rays are going to win a hundred games, so like you're not you're not getting that one. Uh, sometimes the division is just unattainable, but making the postseason is that's the bar. Fair enough. So now you know, Matt, um, because we are the final arbiters of the Blue Jays' success and/or failure. And you were not late to the party. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I think this is the appropriate time to bring that back up because it it. Uh, uh, Josh gave the pre and post season or pre and in season context to that. Um, we yeah. do, of course, have an, a gold star. I think that's rather brilliant. So I did good, right? I mean, I would have thought you'd get a gold star. You enjoy that. You've learned it. Um, it is it is a gold star for I think commitment to the bit is really why I'm giving out a gold star because that's one of my favorite things from from uh, people in the media spotlight. Do you remember, Josh, uh, on the occasion that it was announced that Larry Walker was going to make get into the Hall of Fame, that he was perhaps uh, not expecting that to be the, the phone call that he got? Do you remember way back when? Yes, he was wearing his SpongeBob shirt. 
Yes, he was. He was wearing a NASCAR-style SpongeBob shirt, which in large letters said, Not Your Ordinary Sponge. Uh, And in his commitment to the bit, he went on a round of interviews immediately after that and continued to wear the SpongeBob shirt, thus forever associating Larry Walker and the Hall of Fame and SpongeBob for reasons that, uh, to be honest, I'm not exactly clear on, but just warm my heart because, hey, SpongeBob. Now, it would be really gutsy to show up at the Hall of Fame induction in a Walmart NASCAR-style SpongeBob shirt. So I understand why... Larry Walker showed up in a suit. But do you know what he did have on? I do, but I'll let you say it. A SpongeBob lapel pin. (laughs) SpongeBob made it all the way to Cooperstown with Larry. And I think that's absolutely the way it should be. uh, It's perfect. I can only imagine what Joey Votto is going to wear to uh, his uh, announcement and or induction ceremony now. Because surely he has his eye on such a fashion choice and, and how subtle one has to be uh, at the Hall of Fame. Uh, yeah, that is my gold star because, uh, yeah, just stick with it, Larry. It is a, it's a wonderful thing. And once again, congratulations on making the Hall of Fame a very, very uh, high honor. As weird as the balloting has gotten over the past few years, still very high. We do have what we were debating about making this a do-over. And I don't think I don't think we do do-overs for COVID problems, really, do we? No. Because they shouldn't have to be done over. We we tried that with the uh, you know, deciding via group text whether or not you were gonna play the next game when the whole COVID thing started. The Red Sox are in the midst of a COVID outbreak, including some vaccinated players being tested testing positive for COVID. And apparently, was it Andrew Haney? Who was who was interviewed? Who no. said no, that's the wrong name. Hunter Renfro. Hunter Renfro. Andrew Haney plays with the Yankees. Yeah, I'm like, no, everyone's complaining about Haney's poor performance in a blog uh, in a chat I was reading. Um Hunter Renfro apparently was was told that MLB would like them to the Red Sox to stop testing asymptomatic asymptomatic people. And just follow the symptoms in order to get their outbreak under control. <laughs> Why? <laughs> and then, like, Chris Sale tests positive, like, the next day. It's like, well, maybe you should, this virus transmits. Maybe you should try to find where it is so you don't keep getting it. Yeah, and Renfro yeah, was like, this, this- we're, we're like, we want to keep testing because we want to know where it's coming from. <laughs> Yeah, so this this was he was being interviewed on, on I can't remember what the show was. Lou Merloni was the one in, interviewing him. Um, so he says, "quote MLB basically told us to stop the testing and just treat the symptoms." We're like, "No, <laughs> we're going to figure out what's going on and keep this under control." Then Merloni it was react. You can see there's a video of this. Merloni's reacting like, "Wait, did he just say what I think he just said?" <laughs> and he says, and "He goes, so MLB asked you to stop testing." Renfro, yes. Now, of course, MLB has denied this in the interim, but why would Renfro lie about that? <laughs> um, yeah, it, it, MLB does not lack the resources to test all of its players on a regular basis. Why? Why would you not take advantage of those resources to save a whole lot of grief? Because 
asymptomatic carriers can still pass it to people who are unvaccinated or even people who are vaccinated, and then they can develop symptoms. And around and around we go forever and ever. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I want a healthy Red Sox team playing my Blue Jays. Not, not that they're playing my Blue Jays again, but I want a healthy Red Sox team playing um, regardless. It's not rocket science. Very simple. Uh, so I, I, I don't even know what to say. Our, our new category is like, hey, maybe think that maybe try again. Or actually, it's more like the Saturday Night Live. Really, <laughs> really? <laughs> really. So Greg, in our in our little chat that we use when we plan the shows out, he's called it the How About Maybe Don't Award, <laughs> which I like. <laughs> Uh, I think that's a shout out to Ash Parrish from Kotaku. Um, if if someone thinks I'm stealing that, yeah, that's all of all of the bad bad decisions that have been made in uh, video games was her her context uh, regarding minorities and cultural appropriation and everything else was they should have a person who works somewhere uh, just reviews all of those kind of decisions and goes yeah uh, how about maybe don't so I'm sure MLB needs someone in their in their PR office. For the same did we talk reason. about this recently? <laughs> I thought we did. I don't yeah, know yeah, like every two weeks we talk about the MLB uh, inability to get the message correct. Oh my goodness. Well, here we are uh, at the end of another podcast, uh, except for that part where I ask you if you have indeed a final thought. Yeah, so before I do, I just want to give a shout out to Alejandro Kirk, who took a bat off the head and still caught the pop-up in a key spot in the game. Well done, small, large man. But my final thought is actually the Yale Central is a joke, and Cleveland has now been no-hit three times this year. And now everybody's no-hitting everybody because that's the most no-hitters in the history of the game, including, like, they beat the record from 1884, which shouldn't even count. <laughs> but, yes, yeah, it, it I think it was the ninth no-hitter. The Brewers just, just no-hit Cleveland. And Cleveland is like what a, the, the organization is just such a joke, and we will happily take Jose Ramirez off their hands. <laughs> that is my final thought. <laughs> Note to Cleveland. I mean, there should be a thing there with Shapiro and uh, Atkins, right? There should be like a little in. Yeah, exactly. I don't know why it doesn't work like that. Um, I, I am going to go with the fact that I hope that my my doubt of the Blue Jays in the past couple of weeks uh, ends with me with egg on my face. I would be f perfectly fine with that going into the end of September. So um, if they're looking good, I'm looking bad, and I'm okay with that. I just want everybody to know, don't worry about me. I'll, I'll be okay. Oh, okay. This, this indeed has been uh, you, Joshua Housem, at Joshua Housem, and me, Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead2010. And uh, we put it all together in a thing we called Artificial Turf Wars, episode number 219, available wherever you get your podcasts now. And we will talk at you next week. <laughs>